0: Hello, everyone. My name's Luke, and welcome to episode 54 of the Naked Student Podcast. I hope we're all doing all right in lockdown. I know it's been a very long period, but at the same time, it's also been a very short period, I find. So it's a daily battle, but hopefully, the end is in sight. And as always, TNS will be here to provide some escapism from the mundane, everyday tasks that we all have to do. So, as always, at the start of every episode, I just need to plug our various social media accounts. So, of course, you can find us on Instagram at thenakedstudent underscore, probably the best place to find us, where we're most active. We also have a Twitter page as well, which is at TNS underscore podcasts, where we usually tweet out articles, maybe a few memes chucked in here and there. Um, so that is another place you can find us. And also, finally, I would just like to say, if you are enjoying listening to TNS... And you have an iPhone, then if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a lovely little rating, that would be much appreciated. It basically helps us grow in the charts and get our message out to as many people as possible, which is, of course, the aim of this podcast. So that is all of the plugging done, out the way, early, finito. So today, i have bringing you a pretty big episode, I would say a pretty important episode I just want to say at the start before we, we get into it that, you know, what follows in, in no way means to cause any offence to anyone. It's a difficult conversation. We're trying to just open it up uh, and also to, you know, to really get into uh, to what it's all about. And if that causes some offence, as I say, then I apologise in advance, but it's never the intention. We will be talking about sexual violence, which could be sensitive for some listeners. So if you think that this could... Bring up some feelings that you don't particularly want to uh, to come out then I would probably recommend not listening to this episode but without further ado today I am joined by Lexi via FaceTime how are you doing Lexi?
1: I am good thank you how are you?
0: I'm doing all right, yeah. One morning I could be great, and then by the evening I'm like, what the hell is going on with my life right now? (laughs) Um, So it (laughs) But yeah, so I am joined by Lexi to discuss sexual harassment today. Um, A very big topic, as I say. And I've got Lexi on because of the work that she's been doing in the past at university to try and tackle this issue. Uh, And I suppose this would be a good place to just give a brief outline of of the work that you've been doing uh, over the past year.
1: Brilliant. So um, over the last year, I have been involved with a society called the Not Core Club. I am the external outreach officer for the Not Core Club. And it was set up in September by a friend of mine who kind of called me and said that this was something he was really passionate about and wanted to address. And, this being sexual harassment on campus, which is a huge, huge issue. Um, I mean, over 50% of students at UK universities have reported that they have faced some sort of unwanted sexual behaviour, which is crazy. So it's a huge issue. Um, and at Not Cool Club, we've been trying to kind of change that, and um, put an end to that sexual harassment by doing various things. We have started to create what we are calling the Not Cool Sessions, which are our training sessions. Um, Sessions for student-led societies, um, which in which we kind of other students go in and really just start an open discussion about sexual harassment um and what's okay and what isn't okay and kind of discuss boundaries with people. Um we've also started not cool nights, which are trying to create a culture um of nightlife where of a safe nightlife where people who go know that if something happens to them there's structures in place to report it hopefully everyone is going with the intention of you know behaving appropriately and um yeah it's just meant to be a really cool fun safe space to go out and enjoy um Mm
0: -hmm. so yeah i think for the first half of this we want to go into harassment on um nights out especially which is a, a prevalent issue as you've just touched upon but first i just want to say how important it is that we all see this as a human issue not as a woman issue, not as a men issue as an all of us issue and and that's why it's the importance of having these conversations with all of us at the table I think, sometimes it feels like these conversations do happen mostly amongst females and that's why hopefully this just changes that a little bit alters that perspective We don't want to see it as, look, women have to sort out these sexism issues in society when it's men doing this behaviour on the whole. Obviously, I'm aware that it's flipped around, but it it does happen to more women uh, on the whole. So, as I say, we want to shift these attitudes and it means that we all have to confront this issue together. And that's why this episode is so very important.
1: that's what we think is so important at the Not Cool Club and that's kind of what we're trying to do um, to kind of create a counter-student culture rather than a counter-feminist culture um, where we can all just kind of look after each other and create this safe um, culture at university which unfortunately doesn't exist as much as we would like it to at the moment Um, and a lot of our, kind of, our ethos is, revolves around the fact that this isn't a woman's issue, it's a men's issue. And a lot of, kind of our, our movement, one of the primary aims is to enable men to call out this kind of petty lad culture and to be able to say to their mates, listen, that's not cool, um, if something happens, if they're not behaviorally, because ultimately only men can change male culture. Mm-hmm. Which is undoubtedly an issue.
0: Yeah, you're completely correct. Yeah, and I think as we're about to go into, you know, the different ways in which uh, one could uh, make a change from the next time we go on nights out, whenever that may be, it could be a long time in the future, but little things that we can all do if we see behaviour that we don't like that doesn't sit right with us. But I suppose, yeah, just just as a first point, what is sexual harassment? How do we define sexual harassment? What would you say that it is, Lexi, like, if we had to give it a term, a, a distinct
1: term? So, sexual harassment is unwanted, keyword, unwanted sexual attention, um, which serves either intentionally or unintentionally, can make you feel either intimidated, like your um, dignity has been violated, um, uncomfortable, scared, intimidated. Mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Sexual violence um, and sexual assault is obviously different and that usually involves um, forcing someone by coercion without consent to participate in a sexual act. So that might be something like groping or unfortunately rape um, whereas sexual harassment might be something like catcalling or making persistent advances on someone. That kind of thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with sexual harassment obviously uh, unwelcome behaviour, behaviour that makes someone feel uncomfortable so when I'm reading this this is uh, from the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission who outlined that it's on the UN uh, page you can go and look at that all of you I urge you to um, I guess you know unwelcome behaviour in, in just in in, in one sense it's is just a tad vague I find just in some I, I guess fairly unique situations so if you're on a night out, okay, and you want to act spontaneously. You know, you hear, like, this is what people want to see. You know, it's romantic to act spontaneously. And you show... Yeah, you put on an what could be perceived as an unwelcome sexual advance. You know, you tried to graft on a girl. Um, but they don't like that at all. You know, they don't want that. They're just out with their friends. Could that initial attempt be seen as sexual harassment? The initial, you know, the move towards them, you know, just to try and strike a conversation or to dance with them or whatever it may be, is that... Could that be perceived as sexual harassment in itself?
1: I think it completely depends on the action um, and the way that it's done. I think, firstly, we need to remember that, like, we're we're not all out to get each other, you know? If, you, if your intentions are clearly good, no woman is going to be like, oh, my God, he's sexually harassing me, um, you know, instantly... I think the key thing is that the woman doesn't feel intimidated or violated or any of those sort of things. And there are quite easy ways of making sure that that doesn't happen. So as long as if she says, you know, if she indicates that she's not interested, you leave it. As long as when you go up to her, you're not touching her when you first see her for the first time. Um, All that kind of thing. or you're not being really kind of too much with the language you're using or degrading with the language you're using, then I I think that as long as your boundaries are respectful, then, and you stop at an appropriate time when it's clear that it is unwanted, then, like, mm. arguably fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about judging the limits.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we can all do that. We all have the social ability to be able to, as I say, read signals on the whole, but... Again, I find there is just slight issue when people have consumed large amounts of alcohol. So at university, drinking is a big part of uni culture, let's be honest, and in wider society as well. So when people have drunk a lot of alcohol, it can um, give them a false sense of confidence. It can um, blur the way you act. You know, your brain doesn't work as quickly. It clouds the mind. So in your head you might think that you're coming on in a not just romantic way but a friendly way and that might not be how it's perceived look people make an error in judgment so i suppose it's about atoning for that error you know at the same time so if you if you do come on uh, too strongly for what um, what the other person believes it's about atoning for that apologizing for that as soon as you, you know as possible if you if you atone for your error that's fine if you don't then it becomes an issue right
1: Well, yeah, I think atoning for your errors and kind of admitting that you've done something wrong and learning from that, obviously hugely important, and we all should do that. And that is, yeah, that's definitely something that people should be thinking about. But I do think that before that kind of has to occur, um, when alcohol is involved, because there are huge issues with consent and alcohol, because when you're taught a definition of consent you know, in a training course, it's if someone's intoxicated, they can't consent. And yeah, completely. However, it's very unrealistic on a student level to say, no, you are never going to make an advance on someone if you've had one drink. It's about how Mm. And ultimately, I think, to avoid having to... to avoid getting into situations where you're eventually going to have to atone and you're going to psychologically affect someone or that kind of thing. um, I think... You have to be aware of how much you're drinking if you are intending to make an advance on someone. Um, And ultimately, it all just comes down to if there is any doubt... Yes. ...in your head as to whether you are in a sound state of mind or whether the person you are making advance on is in a sound state of mind to consent, the answer is probably no.
0: Yeah. And that's something that we all need to factor in. I I guess, like, alcohol consumption is another issue in itself, but it factors into this, you know. We have to think about how much of drinking is it, um, you know, clouding your judgment, their judgment, and all of these issues start to arise. That's something that we talk about. I guess just so people are really aware of how much of an issue sexual harassment is, and it's sort of growing as an issue, which is really quite tough to see. In London, reports of sexual harassment are actually on the rise. Uh, For women in particular, it's uh, much experience. Figures released from the Met Police show the number of reported sexual offences on licensed premises have gone up by about a third in the past three years. That's becoming more, you know, that's, that's difficult. That is really difficult to see. You, you think that people are becoming more aware of this issue, that these numbers will be going the other way, they'll be going down. But this is why the importance of education, of, of, of training, it continues you know, to be the best way of changing this behaviour helping people become more and more aware. I mean, do you think there should be more campaigns to make people aware of these issues?
1: I, I think that more campaigns is always helpful. More campaigns is always better. But I actually think the important thing isn't the number of campaigns, but the way that they're working. So I think that when you are taught about consent and sexual harassment it, in a lecture theatre or at a workshop in the workplace that kind of thing. When you leave that room, when you close your laptop, when you close your notepad, that's gone. And when you're in a club, you are undoubtedly not thinking about what you learn in a lecture theatre. So what, for me, I think is important and why I think what we're doing in Not Cool is important in this counter-student culture um, is that it brings what you're learning to real life and kind of makes you learn it in real-life situations so that you can make that kind of attachment between this like theoretical definitions of consent and actually how they're, how they're working in real life. Um, and that you're thinking about them when you are in a night out. So again, like that's what we do at not cool with the whole nights out and having our big pledge of not, of being not cool about sexual harassment on the night out wall so that you can, it's there. You are thinking about it when you're in that space. Um, also, campaigns like Ask for Angela, um, I know we've discussed in the past, which I think is super useful, um, where you can go up to a bar person and say, is Angela here, or something like that, and that's like a code word for I'm not safe, um, I need help. Again, useful um, just to create a safe reporting structure. Um But yeah, I think uh, like clubs and venues have a lot to kind of answer for, and really have a lot of responsibility in making sure that their security, their kind of culture that they create is clearly not okay with it, and the reporting structures are in place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you touched on a, a really important point there, actually, which is it's not as easy as just saying no to someone. You know, there's this there's this myth going around the circuit i've heard before it's like well you know if they don't like that behavior why can't they just say no why can't they just tell a guy to you know f off it's not as simple as that you can't do that you might aggravate like aggravate them more they might come on more strongly who knows but it's not as simple and as black and white as just saying please leave me alone no so I mean, that's something that we all need to be aware of. You know, if we see behaviour that we don't like, can we get involved as, you know, other individuals? Can we go and tell the person to to, to to sort of calm down, to stop, to, you know, tap them on the shoulder? You said, saying to your mates, that's not cool. But going up to strangers even, can we say, I- I'm not sure about your behaviour? My one <laughs> worry is... You know, if I went up to a stranger and I didn't like their behaviour, tapped them on the shoulder and they were really aggressive, they could just beat the shit out of me in a bar. I wouldn't particularly want that to happen. And that is, I think, a worry. Um, I know it's a worry of mine. It's just sometimes if someone is acting like that, what sort of person are they? I don't, I don't know. Um, and that is a worry. But... Uh, you know, there are other ways of doing it. You don't have to go and, and, and do that. You could ask the person, like, are you okay? You know, the person who, who was seemingly being harassed. You could say, is everything all right? Like, subtly as well. And, there, you know, there are ways we can do that. Don't sort of stand there and be like, hmm, that looks questionable, and then leave it. I know we've probably all done that in our lives, but that's why we need to just start about, start thinking about changing that behaviour on nights out. But I've actually um, just remembered uh, a story just just touching on that of, of, you know, of the ilk of, are you okay? So I got it very wrong once, I got it very wrong. Um, so I was at a festival a few years ago and there was a boy following around uh, this girl and to me it looked a little bit creepy. It, you know, he was just sort of behind her the whole time and so I, I made the call and I went up to her and I said, look, is everything okay? Is this guy troubling you? And she looked at me and she just said, Yeah, it's my boyfriend. And I was just like, oh, no, I've got it so wrong. And she, like, looked completely disgusted at me, like, why have you even asked that? But, you know, at the time I was so embarrassed, I was like, what have I done? But that was the worst part of it, is just that she was like, what are you talking about? I would rather have made that call and done that and got it wrong rather than, what if it's the other way? What if I actually, what if he actually was being creepy? And... You know, for it to be, like, a tiny embarrassing moment if you get it wrong, that's not really a big deal in the grand scheme of things, is it? So, I mean, it was pretty funny when I look back at it because it so wrong, but I don't regret it.
1: I think, think to be honest, that it's a really important thing to do. And, you know, even if she wasn't in an unsafe situation at that point in time um, and she didn't need your help, it's so helpful for her to now know in the future that there will be people looking out for her if she is. Um, and to have that reassurance if she had been someone would have been there to help Um, I also think I should point out at this stage that um, just because someone is someone's boyfriend or someone's partner doesn't mean that they can't be doing kind of harassing them or abusing them or being sexually violent Um, and we shouldn't neglect that Um, but in terms of what you said about kind of how do we how do we kind of intervene? Um, I think there are various ways of doing it which don't necessarily involve, like, physically going up to someone and being like, stop and kind of putting yourself at risk of a physical argument. Um, so, obviously, any kind of reasonable club or bar should have security and staff who will, who will know how to help but have kind of some sort of procedure in place. Um, so if you are able to go to the bar for example, and say, not sure what's going on there, can you keep an eye on that, or that kind of thing, is always helpful. Um, and if you want to get involved on a more kind of individual, direct level, um, I actually think Deborah Francis White, in her one of her Guilty Feminist podcasts, talks about this, and I thought it was really, like, a really good idea. She talks about how when someone was harassing her on the train, she actually said to the man next, she kind of looked at this man and said, yeah, sorry, I'm just out with my boyfriend and looked at the man next to her on the tube, even though she didn't know him. And this man next to her on the tube yeah, went, yeah, sorry, I'm her boyfriend. Um, and the people opposite went, yeah, I, we, we're her friend, we've just been out with her. And ultimately, rather than specifically countering the perpetrator actually going to the person who is being harassed and showing solidarity with them is going to corner the perpetrator indirectly and make them feel like they're not supported and this person that they're harassing is, which will hopefully lead them to stop. Um, So that's a really useful thing too. Um, I also just want to say, um, touching on the kind of it's not as easy as saying no, but that's like a hugely important thing that we all need to be kind of aware of because I know that so many survivors of sexual violence and sexual harassment um kind of think to themselves, oh well was it sexual harassment or was it sexual violence if I didn't ever say no, if I didn't ever say no or I didn't ever show that it was unwanted. Um and ultimately you don't need to. There are various ways that people show show no without saying the word. So whether that's body language, whether that's um, saying I'm going to go and find my friends because there are huge issues of politeness at play where if your friend is making some sort of, or someone you know is making some sort of advance that you don't want, you're not just going to want to openly say no because firstly it's seen as impolite um, which is debatable in the first place, but um, but there's issues of politeness and formality and kind of respect and social pressures which might influence the way someone says no mm-hmm
0: yeah completely and that's the point we really want to ram home um it's it's really important that that sticks with people um just sort of the final question I suppose or area Josh I just wanted to bring it back to this issue with with alcohol and this idea of sort of graft on a night out you know when you're at uni blah de blah I think a point that I just touched on before was this idea of spontaneity of being romantic of making a move I mean that's just you know it's in films be spontaneous or whatever um you know, I think it's gone to the point now where, like, you, you say you need to read signals and, and that's okay, but sometimes there can be leading on, there can be issues that, that that happens, we have to be very aware that that happens and there's this, you know, you can go to the other way, the other side of the spectrum now which I know that I've done in the past where you're actually just completely terrified of of making a mistake even though you know in your head you're, you're not making a mistake and that, you know, you, you've read the signals and it's there, you actually go the other way, so, like, it's like you wait for the person to say it is okay. You can kiss me now. And like I, I understand. Like that's better than getting it wrong, obviously. But then it does also completely kill romantic interest as well. Can you imagine? Like I mean, that's happened before. I will happily admit that that's happened before. And like it sounds awful, but like it's just because I was so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've 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 been reading about this for for years and been aware of it. So I, I just um I've gone the other way where I just really. I uh, I'm very 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 conscious of any of my actions and I guess other people have probably thought this as well so there is some issue there I mean what what can be done about that I don't know is there anything that can be done about that or is that just me being a, a freak I, I don't know
1: yeah I think this is there's this whole idea that kind of consent isn't sexy and it kind of gets in the way and I think that comes from the whole like a definition of like can I kiss you, or like, um, I don't know, like, yes, let's have sex now, like, no, like, no one's going to do that. Like, they might say, can I kiss you, but like, y- yes, yeah, let's have sex now, I don't think that's a thing. It just sounds
0: quite in between, a uh, sort of-esque, you know?
1: I know, exactly. So, I think it's important to say that there are ways of kind of establishing that, yes. which aren't not sexy and aren't going to kill the mood and aren't going to kind of ruin this whole romantic idea you've got. I think it doesn't necessarily need to be, like, an explicit question. It can also just be, like, reading someone's body language, take it in slow steps and understand that, like, something you're doing might be fine and then you might go to the next stage and someone might be like, no, that's not fine. Um, So I just think, yeah, just, like, check in regularly um, in the process I think you know, if you're on a date with someone, have a look if they're moving like if they're moving their body language towards you. Obviously, if they are moving their chair towards you and like putting their hand on your leg, that doesn't mean that they necessarily they necessarily want you to kiss them or whatever. but it's a good indication that they're interested. Yeah. Um, so just look out for those little signs, you know, it doesn't always have to be this kind of really unsexy, stop the moment to ask a question, do you consent
0: kind of thing? (laughs) No, of course. And that's what we were trying to reason out. We we do have that ability, I think, overall to read someone, Um, especially if they're not being too coy, you know, if they're making it uh, pretty obvious, then, you know, we can read that. But I just think that that is an issue I know that I personally have even had to deal with in the past. Um, So I just thought it would be a good thing to explore slightly.
1: Yeah. I also think if you have doubts, then it's not the worst thing in the world to wait. If it's, say, a date, if if you're on a date, then wait, don't do anything on that date just because you're, like, not quite sure what their vibe is. Text afterwards saying, I really enjoyed the date. See if they reply saying the same. If they agree to go on another date, that's probably a good sign. You know, all these things, you know, they lead up to to kind of give sides of someone's interest and should be used as such.
0: No, completely correct. And and I hope that this sort of first section has really got people just thinking about uh, the types of behaviour on that side that we've all seen and how we can just think about stopping that and changing that culture. Telling people, telling your friends, for instance, that you don't necessarily find their behaviour to be... uh, cool as we say it's not cool to act in that way so now is a perfect time to have a break in this conversation it's quite a heavy conversation very important conversation but we like to break it up of course with our world famous segment if you want to sing it with me by all means you don't okay well if listeners want to sing along with me then please do uh, it is of course time for Pointless fact of the day. That was all right. That was all right. My singing is horrific. I do apologise for everyone. But that was actually okay in the grand scheme of things. So, Lexi, would you like to go first or shall I? I'll
1: go first. Um, a bit of a feminist-related one, I guess. Um, did you know that there is only one country in the world named after a woman? And that's St Lucia.
0: Really? That's yeah, quite. That's like, good. I've never thought about that before.
1: There's like a hundred countries in the world named after people. Only one is a woman.
0: Wow. Yeah. Very very good point as far I've just never thought about that. Very good. I like that a lot. Very good. There you go. People will be like, ah, oh, at home. Wow. Dropping knowledge. It's a
1: good pub quiz one, I reckon.
0: Oh yeah. That could be anyone. That... <laughs> people can put it in the next pub quiz that they do on Zoom. Yeah. I hope that other people, I don't know, like, other people might have listened as well. But very, very good pointless fact. So my pointless fact is not related at all to the conversation that we've been having in anyway. So, did you know that Dr. Seuss invented the word nerd? Really? Indeed. So um, the American Heritage Dictionary explains that nerd first appeared in Dr. Seuss's 1950 book... If I ran the zoo.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I was like, hells yeah. You've provided me with a very important word in my life, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss making big moves in big. the
1: linguistic in the <laughs> linguistic sphere.
0: Very, very good, you big nerd. Very, <laughs> very good, Dr. Seuss. So that is my pointless fact. Two very good pointless facts, actually. I enjoyed both of them. I, can I say that about my own pointless fact? Yeah, I can, I can, I can. Finish off the world-famous section pointless fact of the day see it always sounds better when i harmonize with someone else i feel but you've let me down there a little bit i'm not gonna lie um i'm sorry Sorry. (laughs) i'm kidding obviously but yeah obviously we we put that section in just to break up uh pretty heavy discussions uh really important topics because we want people to be able to switch off come back to this in the second half So in the first half, we were looking at harassment, especially on nights out, what sort of things we could do as individuals um, and how we can shift the culture um, with our generation. Really, that's how we're going to do it by by changing our attitudes towards it. Uh, In the second half, I actually want to look at the systematic uh, sexual harassment that takes place in the world of work. There are serious issues in the world of work, which have been really eye-opening, to be honest, to read about. Um, You know, I don't know if you see it enough in, in, in sort of the mainstream media. So I urge everyone to go and do their own research on this matter. You know, that's what this podcast is all about, opening up these discussions for you to go and take further and do the research yourself but look as a as an outline of this systematic issue um, according to the equal employment opportunity commission uh, which is on the un website actually uh, workplace sexual harassment is defined as again unwelcome sexual advanc- uh, advances and other verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature when submission to such conduct is made explicitly or implicitly a term or condition of an individual's employment Rejection of such conduct by an individual is used as a basis for employment decisions and such conduct has the effect of creating an intimidating or hostile work environment. So those first two um, things that I listed is often termed quid pro quo harassment. So a sexual favour, you know, you have to obey someone who is potentially your boss uh, or you risk harming your career and that is a a truly terrifying thought that people have to face that in their careers. I also actually, as part of my reading for this, um, read a fantastic piece in the FT, which I'll link in the description, but it goes into the workplace culture in the big four, KPMG, Deloitte, PwC, and EY. And it's all about how there have been several complaints over the years about sexual harassment. And actually what's happened is there's a culture of fear in these companies, not just these companies, but lots of other companies as well. There's a culture of fear where victims don't want to come forward because they don't feel like they're supported and the system is all set up to fail.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, as you said, that this is kind of ingrained within power structures that are so pervasive and this is, like, existing within these power structures. And so... Firstly, there are issues with reporting in the sense that you as a kind of as a lower employee, for example, than if it's your boss who's harassing you, then you're not going to want to report it because you're going to be reporting it to people who are on your boss's level, who are his colleagues or her colleagues, who are kind of their kind of almost comrades for want of a better word. Um and your report is going to involve the company. Firstly, probably firing that person who is very high up and influential in the company. Secondly, taking your word, a lower employee over there as a higher employee. And ultimately, just kind of really just undoing the whole power structures and the whole hierarchies are kind of rooting the business. So it's really hard to even kind of to push yourself to make that report in the first place and believe that, you're legitimate in making it because often you are told that nothing's wrong. Often you're made to believe that nothing's wrong and actually having the faith that you're going to be taken seriously when you do do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a huge issue. I mean, 52% of women report that they have experienced harassment in the workplace, which is crazy. Um, but it's just such a, such a hard hard issue to solve without kind of just completely uprooting the whole hierarchies of these businesses, which are institutionally patriarchal and kind of sexist.
0: Mm. This is it. Like the system is completely set up to fail. Um, It just silences victims rather than supporting them. And... Actually, this issue is, is explored very well in one of my favourite shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is a fantastic comedy. If you haven't seen it, then you really need to start watching it soon. But season six, episode eight, is titled He Said, She Said, which is an apt title, because uh, often it can be one person's word against another. It's not easy to find clear evidence in most of these cases. Uh, and it really explores this broken system of uh, sexual assault in the workplace. And actually, the, the main character, Jake Peralta, says at the end, which which I personally found a very profound quote, The historically entrenched patriarchy has created a culture of victim-shaming that suppresses any power shift in our masculophallic system. Which is... <sighs> It's like a, yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful uh, quote. But this idea that he touches on of, of victim shaming, um, silencing the victims rather than uh, supporting them, giving them... Um, Someone to talk to, a system that works uh, to do in private. I guess that's the the thing that you, you're touching. You know, when you're complaining, you might be complaining to the perpetrator's friends, you know, people who who, who respect him. If you had a system that was uh, completely different to that, you didn't have to deal with the same uh, people in your company. You're more likely to uh, get the support you need, and more likely to report it, aren't you? If you felt protected to some degree.
1: I- I think that's where workplace culture is really important and this is why Not Cool is kind of aiming to create a new culture because ultimately if you don't feel like you're going to be supported and that there is that culture there which is going to believe you and support you, then you're probably not going to make the report in the first place. You might not even believe that you've been a victim of sexual harassment if you have been, because we are so kind of... Because this idea that we have of consent is so flawed, and so many women believe that if they've not said no, then they've they've consented, which they haven't. Um, so I just think it's so important to create this workspace culture and just this general kind of style, which is not going to victim blame, it's going to kind of it's going to support these people who are making complaints. I mean, I know that I read a stat where one third of people said in one kind of study said that they felt that people who were flirting were partially to blame for being raped. Like that culture needs to change. Fucking because hell. it's absolutely no wonder that so many people are living kind of in either kind of denial that they've been harassed or in fear of reporting it when everything is telling them that they're not going to be believed mm.
0: Mm.
1: or they're going to be blamed.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is that is a frightening number, actually. I mean, that is, yeah. It, this is the thing, like, the culture has to change. And it, it is, let's be honest, it is changing, but not quickly enough. Uh, this is, seems to be the problem. Um, and you know with the piece on the big four you know these are some of the biggest companies in the world where it's not only present but it's actually prevalent and that's a problem um that issue with the power dynamic you know it's it can at times be uh someone higher up in the hierarchy you can't decline something it might ruin your career path that's a horrible choice that someone has to make and it's a choice that no one should ever have to make you know But look, I mean, bringing it back to what was said right at the start about we all need to be a part of this conversation, it happens to both men and women, of course, but it does happen to women more. It affects women a lot more. That's just a fact, okay? And so this is why men really need to be a part of the conversation, Um, especially as we've just discussed about the systematic issue of sexual harassment in the workplace, okay? Can we shift that system? If men are on board as well, we can change. As, As Lexi said so well, like, we can change... Male behavior by being male, like, we can change that. You know, we call it, like, the shit, toxic masculinity, lad culture. Uh, We have the ability to change that, okay? And in the workplace, you know, we're looking at... at, at, It's not going to happen overnight. These things never happen overnight, the big changes you want to see. But it's with our generation, you know, we are the next generation, and we can change these entrenched attitudes and the issues with reporting we want to try and make it easier to report, to make people feel protected, to be taken seriously in a lot of these cases. I mean, the other issue is, with the sort of the length that these procedures could be, I suppose, you know, these, these procedures could go on for years, probably, couldn't they? It's not as simple as solving it like that. Yeah, completely. It's, it's going to
1: have to be this kind of movement yeah, I mean, Not Call Club believe that we are a movement, probably relatively self-righteously um, and ambitiously, but um, we believe we're a movement because ultimately it's about changing a culture and no culture is going to change overnight. Mm. Um, but, I mean, the fact that we're here having this conversation, the fact that we sold out our night out, the fact that, you know, this is really getting a lot of engagement is so promising. Mm. Um and we can raise feminist boys in the next generation um,
0: and we should just one final point that i wanted to make and it's a it's a minor point but it's something that just need to be aware of this issue of uh, false allegations okay it's it's a minor point and it's a very very small percentage of cases and we need to be very aware of you know you can get a lot of fake news and a lot of misogynistic numbers from the internet but being honest it's it's fake uh, you know false reporting is something like at best three percent of cases at at the highest prediction, but they're there, and that is severely detrimental to progress, isn't it It's severely detrimental to progress to make these false allegations and I suppose do you think that people who you know on both sides of the spectrum male female who make false allegations should be punished equally as someone who um committed the crime you know of sexual harassment it's a very difficult case i find it very difficult on how someone should be punished for that because you will equally be ruining someone's life if you accuse them of such a serious uh, offense
1: i personally think that if we're talking about false allegations then there are so many issues at play in why someone would make a false allegation because Ultimately, who would want to put themselves through that reporting process? Mm. There would have to be some sort of underlying emotional or kind of trauma-based reason that they are doing so. Um, and I actually think that almost giving it too much airtime is really detrimental to the cause generally, because yes, these things do happen, but they're such a minor part um, that. You know, And they're used as this tool, this false tool by misogynistic people who are saying, yeah, but look, it's a false allegation yeah, all yeah, the yeah, time. Yeah. And it's just not. No. Um, and I think ultimately, yeah, false allegations do happen, but I almost think they have to be a separate conversation because it's like that thing where people, you know, if we're talking about the rape of women and men come in and say, yeah, but men get raped too, and it's like... Yeah, they do, and that's a very legitimate problem. But if you are interrupting the conversation about women getting raped to talk about that, then you're doing that for the wrong reasons, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a similar thing with false accusations. If we're interrupting the conversation about legitimate rapes, which happen far too often, and then we're there, false allegations, then we're interrupting the conversation for the wrong reasons, I believe.
0: You're completely correct. It was just a question I wanted to pose, just because I find it interesting. It's a minor, minor percentage, as we've said. It's a tiny part. Um, but it is something that I'm sure people have thought about or debated yeah. before. And it's an issue that needs to be tackled. And I think you phrased it absolutely perfectly. Look, most women who are assaulted or harassed never get fucking justice. All right. Let's be honest. So it's important that we are aware of that more so than the occasional false allegation in the grand scheme of things they're a tiny tiny part of the issue but look I think we've covered some really important bases today I think this has been such a, an interesting conversation for me I'm learning uh, a lot as we all need to be constantly trying to learn uh, about this very very serious issue um, that is you know prevalent in society and yeah I just want to thank you Lexi for joining me um, you know the work that you've been doing with not cool and will continue to do I'm sure is admirable and um, obviously we'll be we'll be sharing that about I'm sure on on, on our page get people more aware of, of of what you're trying to do so I really do appreciate you for uh, appreciate that you came on uh, uh, for this conversation
1: no thank you for having me glad to get what we're doing out there
0: indeed uh, and maybe we'll do another episode in the future I know we' talked about a couple of topics, but we couldn't cram it all into one episode. We wanted to make sure that people really took away this message about issues of sexual harassment. So, yeah, to all the listeners, I hope you've really learned something today. You've engaged with this serious issue, had to think about, um, yeah, what we can all do to help shift the culture. Um, and these issues, yeah, the systematic issues that are prevalent in the workplace um i will be back within the next week or so uh, i'm going to try and bring a light-hearted topic i think we can maybe do with that as lockdown is again seemingly extended for another three weeks i think we could do with a nice little laugh a bit of light-hearted relief so i will be back within the next week but until then keep doing what you're doing guys see ya